Man, that is awesome. I love this time that we get to spend together. Hey, my name is Tim Griesbach. I get the privilege of being one of our pastors here at Crossroads Church. And this for me is actually the first weekend that I get to join this circle with y'all. So that is like super fun for me just personally. I love like the idea of this, but I've been around in the back of the scenes trying to make sure that everything is like plugged in correctly more or less and making sure that all of our incredible techs who are running cameras and sound and lights and all that stuff have everything that they need to help you guys at home meet with God this weekend. That is really our desire, is to have like the nine of us here in this circle are inviting you to be our 10th person, to have this intimate and fun and energetic and awesome time together of meeting with God. And we're going to do that today. And one of the things that I love to acknowledge is how just crazy impossible it would be for us to meet with God if he didn't actively participate in that, if he wasn't actually involved in meeting with us, right? Like we can't just like suddenly get to heaven, like to be with him. And so I want to ask him right now through prayer to be with us and to help us to meet with him together. So Father, will you please do that? Lord, you've promised that if we seek you, we will find you if we seek with all of our hearts. And so God, we seek you right now. We want to meet with you. We want to be with you. Lord, this is what we need, and this is absolutely what you deserve. You deserve attention and glory being pointed to you. You deserve every voice saying, man, he's great. And so help us today to do that as we go to your word now together. We ask this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to ask you, In this season, have you had any interactions where you find yourself in conversation with someone and uh, you have realized suddenly that you and them aren't understanding each other? Like you are talking to them and you can see it on their face, right? They're like, I I don't, I don't, I don't get what you're saying. Like, or maybe you've been that person where someone is talking to you and they're really intent on you getting what they're saying and you just find yourself going like, I I'm supposed to smile and nod now, but nodding will indicate that I agree and I have no clue what's going on, right? Man, even in a normal season, I find that communication can be challenging, that it's really easy to not understand everything that someone is saying to you. Um, And even more so in times like this, in this COVID-19 season where so many people are like kind of stuck at home with each other. Like I know that for me and Christy, we have found this to be challenging on some levels, fun in some levels, but challenging, especially with communication. Like a couple weeks ago, we're standing in the kitchen together and I'm working on some sort of food and she's working, working on other food and we're talking and it, I realized suddenly like we are not on the same page. And, and so I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll just ask some questions, some clarifying questions. And there's something you need to know about me. Um, it's helpful within the context of this story. See, within our group of pastors, I'm sort of, um, I've got a little bit of a reputation within our group as being the Sheldon Cooper of our pastoral team. I don't know if you guys know Big Bang Theory and the character Sheldon Cooper. He's, he's really, uh, he's an interesting dude. I, I, I mean, like, I'm thankful the show wasn't around when I was little because I probably would have been like, I want to be just like him. Uh, and that's probably not what anyone should want to be like Sheldon Cooper. But I have a tendency to really care about the specificity of words that are being used to communicate something. 
And so I found myself there talking to my wife, and I'm like, okay, if I can just, if I can just get all of the right words in the right order, like pick the perfect words, right? I'll talk to her, and she'll get it, and I'll get it, and it'll be great. And I, and I do that, right? In my head, I construct the perfect words, and I, and I say them, and I look at her face, and it's that same face of like, I don't get it. I'm like, okay. And it was a bit of a revealing moment. Like we had some fantastic conversation around that. And I realized something amazing about my wife. She actually has the ability to speak in two languages at the same time in a normal conversation. So she'll speak with words like you and I are doing right now, like content. Like that's how I think, like words. Like it's great, like the Germans, right? Like they get the right words. They have words for everything. But she'll also have the ability to speak in this magical language called tone. And I know some of you are laughing right now because some of them are laughing right now. <laughs> My wife is laughing right now because you guys are thinking, well, yeah, Tim, everybody speaks in tone. But honest to goodness, like this is not a way that I normally process conversations in my life. I don't really care a lot about tone. I don't think that's actually a good thing. In fact, in the last couple of weeks, I've been like, oh my goodness, okay, God, so help me understand what tone I'm using because I discovered that if I said all the right words in the right order, but I didn't use the right tone with my wife, it would not click. It wouldn't get through. Like I could actually trigger in her a response that would not let her understand the words. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I need to figure out how to use tone. So if I'm yelling at you right now, I'm really not trying to yell at you, right? Like I'm just excited. That's, this is the best that I can do at this point in my life. I'm, I'll grow in my ability to speak this language as well. But all that to say that when we don't understand each other, man, the consequences for that can be just devastating. Like, and there's almost always consequences. Sometimes the consequences are tiny, like, oh, man, you, you, I said 5 o'clock and you got here at 5.15. Like, what's up? Like, oh, I got it wrong. But in other parts of our lives, we find that the consequences for not understanding what someone has said are, is like the difference between life and death. And I think that what we're going to see in this passage that we look at in John chapter 20 has a couple phrases that are like that where it's phrases that we hear a lot within church land, within church speak. And whenever I hear them, I, the Sheldon Cooper inside of me sort of goes like, okay, do, do, we, are we, do they know what they mean when they say that? Like, like that's important, knowing what, like, do they understand what Jesus is saying there? Like, this is a make it or break it type of thing. And so I want to get into this passage with you and show you this passage. And my hope is that we can leave this weekend having a better understanding not only of, Jesus, of what Jesus said, but how this plays out in our lives. Like, because this is connected to our fundamental purpose in life. This is connected to our ability to experience joy and peace in this life and in, in eternity being with God. Like, all of this is tied in with this little phrase that's used here. And so let's open our Bibles if you've got them, or if you don't, it's going to be on the screen. No worries. John chapter 20, we're going to look at verses 24 through 29. So now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Okay, pause just a second because you need some context, right? Like where we're at in the story. So Jesus had come, he had got disciples, he had taught them about the coming kingdom of God, all this beautiful stuff. The religious leaders of the day got him crucified and killed and he was buried, but he didn't stay dead. <laughs> he came back to life and he was actually in the process of revealing himself to his disciples, to the people who had followed him as he had been teaching and preaching, all this wonderful stuff. And so Thomas is one of those disciples and he just wasn't there for the most recent showing up of Jesus where all the disciples were like, oh my gosh, you got it, this is amazing. So that's what's going on here. And so picking it up in verse 25. So the other disciples told him, 
We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And again, pausing for just a second, I'm really thankful for Thomas, right? Because I think a lot of us have those kind of experiences in life. A lot of us are like, man, if I don't see it, I don't know how I'm supposed to believe it. And he's one of the 12. And so it continues. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The phrase I want to look at this weekend is this phrase, is believing in Jesus. If you've been around church much at all, you've probably heard people use that phrase, like believing in Jesus, believe in Jesus. I mean, there's other scripture that often gets um, like recited where we'll say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Right? So that seems pretty important. But I can't help but when I hear that, think to myself, do, do, we, know, do we know what we mean when we say believing in Jesus? How do we get to a spot where we know that we understand this? Because, like, for me as a pastor, one of the things that makes me a little scared in life, honestly, is the feeling that, man, what if I accidentally help a person think that they believe in Jesus if they don't actually? Like, that's a make it or break it thing. So I desperately want us, all this weekend together, to get a sense for what it means to believe in Jesus. The first thing that I think we got to do is understand this word, believe. Like when you look at the root word and get into the nerdy stuff with all the Greek, and that's fun, you'll find that it shares a root with another word that we hear a lot in church and even in culture, and that's the word faith. It's like belief, faith, these words are basically completely tied together. That to believe in someone and to have faith in someone, like that's basically the same thing. And that's honestly a word that gets attached in phrases that I hear a lot of times. It makes me really nervous. I'll hear someone just say like, oh, I have faith. I have a really strong faith. And I always am like, what do you, what do you mean when you say that? Like you're, or, or someone will be a person of faith, right? And, and, uh, and culturally even, like our, the people in our culture will tend to listen to someone say, oh, that's a person of faith. And they have like a way to understand that. They think, oh, like faith, oh, I know what that means. Like faith is, that's like conviction without reason. <laughs> that's like holding tightly to some thoughts without any really good reasons. And uh, I always get nervous too. Like you can tell this whole sermon is actually making me really nervous like all the time. Or I'm like, man, we're just constantly interacting with words that are important but not always obvious. And so like is faith just conviction without reason? Like what is faith? What does it mean to believe at all? One of the things that I've found super helpful when it comes to trying to understand God's word is let God's word Define God's word whenever possible. Like if, if God has said something in one part that helps make sense of what he says somewhere else, like use that. Don't just grab a dictionary and be like, oh, well, the English definition of faith is. Like go to God's word and say, what do you say? What do you say faith is in this case? 
And thankfully for us, in this case, he has a very simple, straightforward definition for faith found at the very beginning of Hebrews chapter 11. It's verse 1. I'll read it real quickly. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So if we're going to understand what God says about what faith is, faith is not uh, conviction without reason. Faith is conviction without sight. It's without seeing. I mean, we see that play out even in John chapter 20, right, where Jesus responds to Thomas like, oh, you've seen and believed. And he doesn't even say that's a bad thing. He's not like, well, I'm just so disappointed in you, Thomas. You had to see before you could believe. Like, my goodness. You know, instead, he just says, man, yes, I'm so thank- I'm glad that you've believed. And he actually showed up, right, to, to like basically reveal what Thomas needed in order to believe. But then he points and says, blessed are those who've believed and not yet seen. That's what that faith is. It's holding to thoughts with conviction as true, not without reason, but without seeing. So that's the first thing that we have to kind of lock in is like, what does it mean to believe? Like, it's, it's that holding these thoughts with great conviction. Like, yes, yes. And it's not just a theory type of a thing. Like, it's really important that we get this because this is another thing that shows up sometimes in church land is you get the sense that everyone here is a, is a testing to a truth, but then when you look at the lives, you're like, is that, I don't know if that's playing out in your life hardly at all. Like, your life seems, I don't, I, your actions don't seem to line up with this thing that you say is really true. So, like, what's going on there? And so one of the things that we have to understand about faith is that it is in or faith and belief is it is intrinsically attached to action. And one illustration that just kind of simplifies all of this for us and starts to help us understand like okay so the belief like belief but what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Like let's take this other truth that we all believe in. I don't care who you are, you believe in this truth. Um, all, every single person, if you, in fact, if you didn't, you would be labeled a crazy person. You wouldn't be able to live. You would go through life like, like it wouldn't make any sense if you didn't believe in this truth. And we'll use that illustration, this, this one, to, to kind of help us wrap our heads around what it means to like have faith in Jesus. That this truth that I know that all of you believe in, unless you are like two years old or younger, is the reality of gravity. <laughs> Every single person who can hear my voice right now absolutely believes in gravity. In fact, most of you, by this point in your life, it is such a core fundamental belief that you don't like consciously think about it all the time. However, you're always incorporating it into your actions. Like to, to walk is an expression of faith in gravity. Like none of y'all get up and you're like, okay, I'm about to go outside and... We're going to see what's going to happen. Hopefully I stay on the planet this time. Like no one's afraid of suddenly whipping off into outer space, right? Like we know that gravity holds things down for our, our experiences uh, way of understanding, right? It, it's things pulling inward. It's, and so even though centrifugal force is like real and like, man, the earth spins like crazy fast. Like it's absurd that we don't get whipped off because gravity. I'm really glad. Like God was really clever in how he built this thing. Like, it's, we get day, we get night, and we don't die. It's fantastic. I just love it. So when it comes to gravity, we know what it means to believe in gravity, right? 
And it would be absurd if someone just said, oh yeah, I attest that these ideas and thoughts are real, but I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything with it. Like, I'm going to live as if it weren't real. Like, that person would be called crazy or like two years old. Because I know that some of you right now have some like two-year-old kids or younger running around your house and you're like, yeah, they don't know anything about gravity yet. Like, they are constantly in the process of learning about gravity. They are falling over and they're just like knocking everything off of tables. They're like those little cats in the videos where they just, they look, the cat looks at you and then like looks back at the bottom and looks at you and they're just like, yeah, take that, owner. What you going to do about it? Nothing. You're still going to feed me. Right? Like this, I don't know if your two-year-old gives you those kind of looks, but they're like, they don't know what gravity's like yet. They're learning about it. But they will absolutely get to the spot in their life where they are beyond a shadow of a doubt convinced that gravity is real. And that if you ignore those principles, it could cost you your life. Right? When you walk up to the edge of a high platform, like you look down and there's stuff inside of you that responds to that reality, that belief, that your belief in gravity in that moment keeps you from taking another step. And in the same way, when we talk about belief in Jesus, it means believing, like core level conviction that what we see revealed about who Jesus is, is true. That Jesus really is everything that he said he was. It's, this is amazing for us because the claims that Jesus made were crazy sometimes. I mean, he claimed he's the only way that people could come to be right with God. When we go through scripture, we see from the very, very beginning to the very end that it's all about Jesus, that it's all pointing to who he is. I mean, he was the promised rescuer, right? Right from the very beginning, God made everything. He made it good, and he made it to facilitate this relationship with us. Like, we got to be in relationship with God, talking with him, walking with him in the garden. Like, that sounds awesome. And he made us not only to be in relationship with him, but to reflect who he is within his creation, to be little images of God walking around and talking and doing stuff and being like, this is what God is like, this is what God is like. But the very first humans decided, nah, I'd rather not do that. <laughs> I'd rather, like, look how I want to look. Thank you very kindly. And as they decided to go that route, sin was introduced into the world, this infection that just literally spread faster than anything else. All of the people, all of everything, all the animals, every little thing within creation being infected with sin, with this, this standard propensity for not looking anything like God. Right, like that sin in us is what makes people like, what we would say, though, I mean, that, that person's evil. Like, what do we mean when we say that? Like, well, we're identifying things about that person that don't look anything like the character of God. When people lie, when they steal, when they murder someone, when they, I mean, there's all of these different categories that we've used to talk about it, but the reason these things are what they are is because they, they don't accurately reflect what God is like. God's not a liar. He's not a thief. He's not a murderer. And so there we were, kind of stuck on our own. But even then... At the very beginning, there's a promise made that there will be a rescuer that will come. We see later that descriptions of this rescuer that he's going to be a king, but at the same time, somehow he's going to be this suffering servant. Pastor Matt just last week talked about it and as John the Baptist was, was saying, hey, this is the Lamb of God, like the sacrificial lamb who's going to take away all our sins, pointing to Jesus, being like, he's that one. He's the suffering servant. 
Jesus didn't come as a king in, in a way to say, like, hey, I'm going to place myself above you all, and, like, you all now have to serve me, and maybe if you're lucky, I'll let you into my kingdom. Maybe if you're lucky, I'll forgive some of the evil in you. Maybe if you're lucky, I'll let you meet with God for a little bit. Like, that wasn't the kind of king he was. He set the bar, right, because Jesus was perfect. He looked exactly like God because he was God. And so as he lived throughout this life, he went low. He served people. You should sometime go through the Gospels and just pay attention to how much time Jesus spent with people that were totally without influence and totally unprotected. They had no means for, like, creating margin in their lives, for protecting themselves with those with lots of means, with all the power, with all the influence. Like, Jesus hung out with them, this is the kind of king he would be. And so not only was he like the mediator, the rescuer, and not only was he the sacrificial lamb, the suffering servant, he died on the cross, right? Like, like not only that, but at the end of all of it, he ends up being the treasure, the prize. Like the promise of what we get at the end of all of it is Jesus. We get to have him and, and be with him. By believing in him. <laughs> By holding in conviction these realities that Jesus as God has come to make us free from our sin, to bring us into this new life that we can walk with him. And it can't be just something that we attest to only in our minds, right? It's attached to our actions. This is so often why, why uh, believers of Jesus are called followers of Jesus, <laughs> Like, they're following the way of Jesus. They're like, man, Jesus, he made that look really good, that whole looking like God thing. <laughs> let's do that too. Let's, let's follow him. Let's follow the way of Jesus. And that's what the belief in Jesus results in. And so this weekend, I want to ask you, like, where are you at when it comes to believing in Jesus? I imagine that there's probably three different categories within everyone listening that you, might, you find yourself in one of these three categories. You know, the first category that you might find yourself in is you might say, man, Tim, I don't think I actually believe any of this stuff yet. Like, that's just where I'm at. I hear you guys singing about this Jesus and talking about this Jesus and you're talking out of the Bible. That's cool, but like, I don't know if I believe it the way you're talking about believing it. And, and to you, I want to say, man, you are in great company. Again, did you see Thomas didn't believe it either? He followed Jesus. He was with him in the flesh for some years, watching him do miracles. And, G and Thomas was like, I don't think he's actually the one, like until I see it for myself. And so I want to invite you, if that's where you're at right now, just ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. Ask him to show up in your life. Say, okay, God. All right, Jesus, if you are real, then prove it. Show me that you're real. Show yourself to me. I love the promise that God makes to us that if we seek him with all of our hearts, we find him. He's not a hidden God. He is a findable God. He delights to be found by us. So that's what I would invite you to do. Now, you might be in another category where you say, man, Tim, I have believed in Jesus for like months or maybe even years or decades. 
I mean, that's the category I find myself in. Like, I have believed in Jesus since I was something like four years old. So that's going on 30 plus years for me of believing in Jesus. And I don't think you're off the hook this weekend. (laughs) Because what I'd like you to do this week is to ask Jesus to help you believe in him the way you believe in gravity. Like the same way that your belief in gravity is like fundamental, foundational. Like there are times it absolutely comes to the forefront of the mind, but it influences everything that you do. Anytime you move around at all, you are believing, you're practicing that belief in gravity. And I just want to invite you to say, like, ask him to help you. I mean, this is hard for me. This honestly scares me a little bit because I can see times in my life where I'm not exactly believing in Jesus like I believe in gravity. Like, I don't ever doubt gravity. (laughs) But, you know, there's days where I'm like, is is Jesus really able to, like, satisfy my whole heart? Is Is he really able to bring good out of this mess? So I want to invite you, ask him, ask him to help you. He loves that question too. Remember the man who said, I believe, help my unbelief. (laughs) Pray that prayer along with that man and watch how he helps you to see where you're not believing. It's not you just working harder and believing better, right? Because like the power of belief has nothing, not really anything to do with the believer. The power for belief has to do with the object of belief. Gravity isn't weaker or stronger depending on how much I believe in it, (laughs) right? That would be weird. Like people would just sort of like forget about gravity and start floating away. Like that would be nonsensical. That would never work. So ask him to help you to believe in him. Not like you believe stronger, but to have a bigger picture of who he really is. That it becomes a fundamental core belief in you. And for some of you, you're in a third category, and it's this beautiful category. It's my favorite category today. It's the category where you find yourself in a spot where you're like, okay, I've heard all of this about Jesus, and I don't yet believe, but I want to. I want to. What do I do? <laughs> I mean, like, 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 what do I do? I have to sign a card? <laughs> like, what do I do if I want to believe in Jesus? If you find yourself in that category, man, I am stoked for you. <laughs> Like, this is probably one of the best days of your entire life in the middle of COVID-19. Like, how awesome is that? Like, 20 years from now, you will look back on today in this season. People will talk about this crazy pandemic thing, and you'll be like, oh my gosh, that's when my life like got awesome. That's like when everything turned around. That's when I began to experience transformation and real life. Like, how God meant it to be lived. I am stoked for you because God is inviting you into life to the very fullest. He is inviting you into freedom from guilt, from shame, from fear. He's inviting you into purpose. And it's only belief. He didn't make it this crazy complex thing. He didn't make it this thing where we have to like climb to the top of a mountain and like throw a rock off or something crazy, right? Like like all we have to do is look at the reality of who Jesus is and say, yes, I believe. And so I want to lead you, if that's you, in a prayer. And I'm going to pray for everyone right now. But I know that sometimes you're like, I don't know the right words, and I happen to be a guy who likes right words. I will try to get the tone right as well. (laughs) But I'll lead you in a prayer that's just simple, humbling yourself before God and saying, I want you. I do believe in you. So would you join me in praying right now? 
And you can actually repeat these words after me, and then I'll proclaim a blessing on all of you. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to start believing right now, you can just pray in your heart. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you came to rescue us. I believe that you died on the cross and that through your death, we have forgiveness and can be right with God. And I believe that you raised again from the dead and that you are calling us into that resurrected new life, allowing us and empowering us to look like God now and to enjoy God forever. Lord, I ask that you would, right now, for those who have prayed that prayer, with your very presence, let them know how excited you are for them. Fill them, Lord, with confidence that they're not just being silly, that their prayers aren't just bouncing off the ceiling, Lord, but that you hear them, that you see them, and that you love them. Lord, I pray that you would connect them Lord, into your whole family. That's all of us, Lord, who you've rescued in order that we might walk together and experience your love as you plan for it and we might spread that love throughout this world to the very best of our ability. Lord, I ask that you would do this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Now, now, if you've done that, then yes, I would high-five you, but COVID fives, right? Like this is where we're at. I don't even know how to do this stuff. I'd probably high-five you regardless. But there's two things that you could do, or one of two things that you can do that are absolutely meaningful and helpful in these next steps for you. Because if you just decided that you wanted to follow Jesus, these next 30 days for you are critical. And we don't want you to go through it alone. We want to be alongside you and equipping you and praying for you and making sure that you have the very best shot at possible at following Jesus for the whole rest of your life. So the first thing that you could do, one of two things, is you can click the uh, raise a hand function. If you're like watching with the app on your phone or on the web, like you can click that if you're in our actual Crossroads Live page. You can see that. That'll pop up and you can click that there and that'll take you to another page and we can start getting information from you so that we can stay connected with you and help you to connect with other people who are following Jesus. And the other thing, if you're like, well, I, I can't do that right now because the device is like hooked up to a TV and I don't actually know how to do that. You can also text Jesus to this number here on the bottom of the screen. And they've got it. The moderators, I think, have got it in different places on Facebook and wherever. But text Jesus, and that will help us to reach back out to you and say, awesome, we're excited that you've decided to follow Jesus, and we are going to be with you throughout this whole thing. Man, can we just, like, give it up for some of the people this weekend who have decided, like, he is king. Man, thank you guys. All right, Pastor Tim. Hey, thank you. Hey, friends.